Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. The closer you look at something, the tighter that muscle gets to shape the lens, to move the light point of focus inside your eyeball. Mm-hmm. It's not designed to be super tight all the time. And now that's our lifestyle, right? Like you go from looking at a screen, which is, you know, moderately tight to then the way you take a break from the screen is looking at your phone. Right. So now you've got a really tight muscle and then you go back to looking at a screen. So it's the screen life is really causing this muscle to stay tight. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed the founder of nmyopia.org, Jake Steiner. We discussed all things relating to prescription eyewear, along with tips and tricks for better eyesight, the single worst thing you've been doing for your eyes, why it's time to get away from the screens and get outside, and much, much more. This is the first time we've talked about eyesight and improving it on the podcast, and I'm excited to share this with you. I think you'll get some great tips, whether you have glasses or not. So thanks so much for listening and enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have Jake Steiner here. Welcome to the show, Jake. Thanks for having me, Brian. appreciate it. Yeah. I'm excited to have you on. I was telling you, this will be a little bit of a change of pace for our listeners. We talk a lot about nutrition, meal timing, exercise, and uh, probably a topic that gets overlooked a lot, and that's uh, eyesight. Um, So, before we dive into your website and everything that all the education that you put on it, why don't you maybe to describe to the listener how you got into this field of ending myopia? So I am an analyst and stock trader, or used to be. Um, that was my work. So I spent a lot of time just looking at data and understanding underlying things in businesses. And I had really bad eyesight also. And I went to the optometrist at some point in my 20s and uh, they said, I need stronger glasses. And they were already really strong. I didn't love the idea and I asked why, which I do professionally all the time. And they said, it's uh, mysterious and genetic. And my, that's the first time I ever went as an adult. And I'm like, that's, a, that's odd for a person to say that's supposed to treat you. They don't understand the cause of the thing, which it does happen, right? But still... Uh, genetic didn't sound right to me. Again, like from my profession, I questioned things. We didn't genetically change in the last 50 years globally to have a worse vision. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So this was before fancy internet stuff. So I went to the libraries and I did research and I found that nearsightedness, shortsightedness is well understood in science. Uh, it's not genetic whatsoever. And uh, that in fact, the person I talked to selling glasses He's part of a hundred billion dollar a year business. Uh, and the glasses he sells have about a 5,000% markup. Mm. And from there, having understood that the whole thing was kind of not, I don't want to say a scam, but dubious, I started trying to figure out how to fix it. And that, that was a, a little bit of a bigger journey, but managed to do that now. I'm not wearing any glasses, didn't do LASIK, don't wear contacts. have perfect eyesight and it turned into a little bit of a side thing because I retired early and just because they pissed me off, like I'm not really a save the world type, but they just, that professional arrogance that you get from people who don't want to answer your questions while also selling you expensive stuff mm-hmm. just pushes my buttons. 
Yeah. And how, what year was this in? Almost 20 years ago now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so since then, you've just been educating people. I, I noticed your website, End Myopia. I'm saying that right, correct? <laughs> yes. Endmyopia.org. Okay. Um, yeah, not on purpose, really. I mean, if you go back far enough, because the site has got over a thousand articles. In the beginning, it was mostly rants and obscure inside humor. Like it was never intended to be a serious thing because I didn't need to do it to make money. I'm not trying to save humanity. It just was a, an outlet for my, my angst about how optometrists act. And then it turned into a bit of a, here are things I do that seem to be working. And I met more and more people through it mm. that were trying similar things. And it ended up being, it's more of a community thing than just me. Um, now we have a Facebook group that's like 20 some thousand members and people really figured out how to tweak their, the dependence on corrective lenses to the point that eventually they don't need them. So, yeah, I noticed that quite the community and that's grown over the last what 20 years. So you have over 22,000 people in your Facebook group. And, um, uh, I'm sure, I don't know how many people are affected by this year on a year wide basis. Um, I'm sure quite a few. Um, I was lucky. I don't, I, I, I have 2020, at least I think, I do. um, but maybe explain to the, to the reader, how you improved your eyesight and, um, and sort of ended what many think is probably a genetic thing, but it's really not. So yeah, it's the, the improving part is not that difficult. Most people aren't motivated. Like the, the thing I found that is super weird is that once you have a fix, like you're wearing glasses or you're wearing contact lenses, you don't care. Right. You just go out. Ah, it's, 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 it's a good enough fix to where you've got other things going on in life where you go, never mind this thing. But just a super short version, I always tell people, you don't realize how much you're missing by not being able to see. Like sports performance, right? Like you like golf, like it yeah. significantly affects your sports performance when you wear corrective lenses. Contacts work better but they will mess up your physical eyeball after a while. But mm -hmm. with glasses, you really don't have, you don't have good peripheral vision uh, also affects like your, your mood levels. Like anxiety tends to be a thing. Headaches with, with right? glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Headaches potentially also anxiety is definitely a thing though, because you don't have peripheral vision. You move different because people wear glasses have to look at the ground because they don't have peripheral vision. So they're, they're having to look down when they walk through the world, they're, they seem a little off when they talk to you because uh, as a glasses wearer, how it used to be, you train yourself to look straight through the lens. So your eye movement, your head movement, your neck movement is affected. Mm. It's, it affects all of your life. Like I kite surf now, I paraglide. These are all things that I thought I would never do. You know, I thought I was scared of heights and, uh, you know, clumsy. None of that's true. It's all because you're stuck behind lenses. Your visual cortex limits a lot of your fine motor control because it's just like, well, this thing's not working well. So people who are a lot of people who, who have bad eyesight and in the U S I think the statistics is about 50%. If you have kids, the, the risks are much higher now. It's really worth looking into. And, and the fix is super simple. It's don't wear distance glasses during your close-up. So there's, um, there are two mechanisms that run the eyeball. One is when you, when you look at something up close, there's a lens in your eye and it bulges out like it shapes for close-up vision. And it's run by the circular muscle around it that tightens up when you look at something up close called the ciliary muscle. 
the closer you look at something, the tighter that muscle gets to shape the lens, to move the light point of focus inside your eyeball. Mm -hmm. It's not designed to be super tight all the time. And now that's our lifestyle, right? Like you go from looking at a screen, which is, you know, moderately tight to then the way you take a break from the screen is looking at your phone, right? So now you've got a really tight muscle and then you go back to looking at a screen. So it's the screen life is really causing this muscle to stay tight. And uh, if you go to Google Scholar, which I'm a big fan of because all science, right? Scholar.google.com. And you type in pseudomyopia. Uh, so not real myopia, basically. It explains what your bad eyesight really is. There's tens of thousands of clinical peer-reviewed science studies that show your eye is actually just that your bad eyesight starts out as a stuck focusing muscle. So the first time you went to the optometrist and you're lucky, you didn't have to do this, but for a lot of people, the first time you went, you were misdiagnosed by saying it's a mysterious genetic condition. You're a stuck muscle. So the correct answer would have been for them to kick you out of there and be like, go outside and play more. And you would have been fine but they sold you glasses for 5,000% markup. Those things cost $2 wholesale, the lenses. And then that becomes something called lens-induced myopia, also on Google Scholar, where your eyeball elongates because of the lens wear. I'm keeping this short, especially since you don't wear glasses. Basically, wearing the glasses activates a mechanism in the eye that adjusts its length. That works throughout your life just to keep the eyeball at the right shape because it's a fluid-filled ball. And then... If you wear those glasses, there's a little bit of light that focuses behind the retina that causes an axial elongation. You can reduce or eliminate a lot of that. Don't ever wear them when you use your computer. Or if you have to wear glasses because your eyesight's that bad, use slightly weaker lenses for the computer, right? Like that's really the, the number one thing. And then the super short version, it's like getting in shape means you should go to the gym, is you wear slightly weaker glasses and every three to four months, your eyesight is improved enough, adopted to the weaker glasses to where you can keep making that reduction. So every three to four months, you get slightly weaker glasses until eventually you don't need them. And that's, that's kind of all there's to it. Hmm. And um, what type of like daily activities can people do, maybe even if people that don't have glasses, to help with their eyesight at a certain foods they can eat is going out to the, in the sunlight. Obviously I know in the morning, that's a, that's a great thing just for circadian rhythm and, um, you know, helping you, you know, get the day started and, um, you know, get that cortisol levels up and wake you up. Are there certain things that you could do, uh, throughout the day or even eat that can help with your eyesight and make sure that you don't get classes food. So, okay. Eyesight is all about, it's all about that muscle. Like if okay. you spend too much time in front of screen, that muscle's tight, the muscle gets stuck. You can't see clearly the distance. So the number one thing really is just get the eye to relax. And that's a 20 feet, six meter distance. That muscle is completely relaxed. The more time you spend in that distance, the better you are. Like you and golf, ideal, right? Because number one, you have to drive there. So you're spending time going there. And then you spend hours and hours and hours and hours on that course all distance vision, right? Like having a hobby like you have that, that involves specifically distance vision. If you aren't wearing glasses, you're never going to need them because you have, you're getting hours of distance time, right? Like focus distance time. You're looking at a tiny little ball flying through the air. That is perfect. Like that is what 
gives you and keeps good eyesight. If you're already wearing glasses and you have this kind of sport, it's really easy to improve your vision because you have a thing that you do with your eyes besides looking at screens, right? So screens obviously are not healthy for your eyes. What about, and I have them right here. What about like blue light? <laughs> I figured I'd put them on. What about blue light blocking glasses, especially at night and stuff? They've become, it's become a million dollar industry. Yeah. And it's up there. I'm jealous of that industry because those things add like two cents to the cost of the lenses. So those should cost you $3 wholesale <laughs> instead of two. And I'm being super generous. So Blue blocking glasses are like Coke Zero. They're like low fat, whatever. Oh, you'd love that. You're a big fan of low fat products. It's like that. It's, it's the problem is a screen, right? The problem is drinking a Coke. And Coca Cola realized that now they could say, well, maybe just sugar is bad. Maybe it's not us, right? Just drink the Coke Zero, have the low fat version of the thing. It's, the problem is a screen, like blue light block, like blocking some spectrum of UV of the whole light spectrum is yes, like nighttime, sure, like sleep rhythms. There are things that you don't want that much blue in the light, but what you really want is not that much screen in your evening, right? right it's right. it's a, it's my problem with it is it's not that it doesn't work. Like there's definitely benefits, but the problem is you wouldn't need them if you had good habits in the first place. You know what I mean? Like it's, it gives people that excuse. Oh, I'm fine with a screen now. Cause I threw on these blue blocking glasses. I'm fine drinking the Coke cause it's Coke zero. It's the same kind of thing. Like it, it would be better to adjust your screen use, get up a little earlier, go to bed a little earlier, listen to a podcast instead of watching YouTube, you know, like small adjustments that you wouldn't need to rely on another product for would be better for you. And as far as training the eye, I know you mentioned golf, like, I mean, I do play with some guys who cannot see the ball for the life of them. <laughs> They're like, That's where'd awesome. that go? Um, like, well, it's right, play. you know, it's in the right rough. Um, but so training the eye, it, looking for things that are far out there, like th th that is obviously, like you mentioned, uh, a positive for vision. Um, and, and it sounds like looking at things that are really close to your eyes that like, you don't want to do that. It sounds like that that sort of locks the eye. Is that correct? Eventually the eye is not designed to do that for hours and hours and hours at a time, every single day, right? Like a, a computer distance is much better than phone distance. The closer you get, the tighter that muscle gets, the okay. worst is the phone, the smaller the screen, the point of immersion, like how close you're going to hold it instinctively is going to be closer, right? So phones, the worst case scenario. If you want to consume content, TV distance is ideal because you're getting really close to relaxed muscle computer distance. Yeah. I mean, better. So phone distance, no good. Like, like parents giving the kids phones as babysitters is, is the worst. Right. And while your friends who can't see the ball at all glasses, right. But glasses that let you see the ball with a little bit of challenge, because what will happen is instead of not seeing the ball, now they can see the ball, but not just given to them easily. They got to look for it. Right? They, get a, they get a challenge act. There is a way to challenge your eyes and their vision will improve. Like the guy that can't see the ball now gets glasses, only wears them for golf. Now he can spot the ball with a bit of challenge. Three to four months from now, he could reduce those glasses a little bit, see the ball again, right? And he could do that until 
he actually becomes competition because now you can see the ball and not need glasses again. So um, you're not totally anti-glasses. It just, you're saying if you do need glasses, get them so they're not, so it actually, they're not quite what you need. Was it like they challenge your eyes a little bit, correct? Glasses are like weights, right? In a way, I don't like weights. I don't want to pick things up that are heavy. <laughs> But they're incredibly useful if you want to create a stimulus or if you need to create a stimulus, right? Like if, you, if your vision sucks, then you're going to need some of it to help you get to better vision. Super useful. Glasses are super handy. I wear reading glasses. They're not close by right now. Plus lenses sometimes because they make your close-up vision worse. Like if you have perfect vision and you buy a pair of plus 0.5 Dopta reading glasses meant for people with presbyopia, you put those on, you, I mean you, because you have good vision, your computer screen will be harder to read. And if you do that for just a short period, like 15, 20 minutes, three, four times a week, you'll notice your distance vision will be even better. Hmm. So glasses are cool. It's just they're sold to people, not just at massive markups, but without telling them the negative consequences of the way they're being used. So someone like myself who has decent vision, what type of glasses should I get? Can you say that again? Because <laughs> it's, it's reading glasses. You can just go just, to any. Okay. Just store. get reading glasses. Um, Super low one. So you want like half diopter and just for short spans of time. I work with, um, I work with athletes and professionals and pilots and people that need better than 2020 eyesight. Mm -hmm. And you can tweak that. You can get 2010. Not everybody. Like there's a definitely a genetic component, but if you want to see the golf ball further and better, you can accomplish that also. Hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I never quite thought about that, but yeah, I mean, for, for performance, um, that's like huge, important, hugely important. Um, you're seeing a lot of guys on the golf course. I know we're getting into golf. I could talk about golf all day, <laughs> but they applied other things. What about sunglasses, um, about wearing those on a daily basis? I, I know that, um, it's important to actually not use sunglasses and, and, and get that sun exposure for some of the time. But what about if you're outside and you're reading and things like that, you really don't want to be, you know, trying squinting all day too. Right. Yeah. My personal rule, like I don't have a serious opinion, but sunglasses is if I'm squinting, otherwise I'm wearing, right? like I'm a big fan of the hippies are right. In some ways, less stuff, right? Like the less you don't, ideally want another product to remove you further from nature or compensate for some lifestyle thing, the less things, the better your health is going to be in a lot of ways, right? Like, but some stuff is also really cool. Like, again, like if I'm shaded outdoor and I can see fine, I prefer to get natural UV. I like that. There's lots of benefits to that apparently, but if it's super bright and you're squinting, I would, I would reach for sunglasses. I noticed on your website, you have a seven day course for people to, uh, to take, maybe explain to us the, uh, the gist of the course and how people can, and what people might learn from taking that. So, yeah, it's so annoying, right? It, it used to just be a one day. It used to be a one day thing because if you, if you're interested, right? Like if you're like, well, better eyesight would be nice. Number one is you should be skeptical. Right? Because it, there's a lot of stupid stuff on the internet, especially for eyesight, because I'm in that area. So we started discussing, like, how do you research if a thing is actually possibly true? So when this whole thing was one day, people would just 
kind of browse through it, remember 20% and then ask all the same questions all the time. So I finally went, here's one day's worth and here's one day's worth and here's one day's worth way more helpful because it's a huge topic Mm -hmm. and super important. I believe is don't believe people that, that give you, these are five easy steps to blah, because number one, there's always more to it. Number two is you want to understand what it is that you're getting into. So you're not wasting a bunch of time or spending money on things that you don't need. So it's, it breaks it down. It starts with the science and then super important. You don't realize how simple glasses are. People go to the optometrist and it's this giant charade of in the room and the, the, the seat and the chair. And then the, you look at the eye chart and the flipping lenses around, they remove you from the process, from understanding the process. And actually your eyesight, it's super simple. You take a book. I like books the best, but screen would work. Hold it close to your, in front of you and mm-hmm. try to read the letters when they're super clear. And then you move it slowly further back, further back until there's the tiniest bit of blur. In your case, ideally that doesn't happen. But if it does, take a measuring tape, side of your eye to the, to the book. And that distance is the blur horizon when things get blurry. Mm-hmm. And if you take 100 divided by the distance, say it's 50 centimeters, right? 100 divided by 50 is two. You would need two diopter glasses to have perfect vision. So all the stuff the optometrist does, that charade, you can replace with just that and get exactly the same results. Overcomplicated, in my opinion, because the glasses cost $2. You can go buy them online if you know how to measure yourself. Part of that week-long thing is kind of walking you through all the bits to give you back the ability to do this by yourself. You have the book. You figured out the distance, 50 centimeters. You need two Doppler glasses. Now you can go online and buy your own glasses. And you can have experiments that I recommend. You start with close-up only. So you're not affecting your driving and you're recognizing people and your golf game. You just sit in front of a screen with lower power glasses figuring out how that affects your clarity. And that basically turns into a bit of a week of a just general education. And after that week, you don't have to buy anything from me. I have the website with 1200 plus articles and 300 videos and a huge forum and a big Facebook group to help you figure all this stuff. out. Hmm. Love that. And um, what would you say has the industry changed over the last 20 years that, you know, you've been obviously doing a lot of research and a lot of behind the scenes work. Um, has it changed or is it pretty much stayed the same? It's the trying to make more money, right? Like myopia is going up. Like more people are becoming short-sightedness in Asian countries, especially uh, study requirements are a lot more intense. There's a genetic factor possibly also involved over 90% of school age children in Hong Kong and Singapore need glasses. So super profitable industry. I own stock in a bunch of lens manufacturing companies done very well in that. There is some interest now in stopping the progression, which is super interesting. So you can buy contact lenses, for example, that have these defocus rings in them that do the same stuff I talk about, but patented and with a giant price tag. So now they're selling these things, especially for your kids saying, if you spend a couple grand, here are products that that slow the myopia progression. There's also lenses that flatten your eyeball while you sleep, uh, contact lenses, and temporarily give you better vision. So also help slow myopia progression. Again, these are things you're gonna pay two grand a year for. 
don't actually address the problem, slow down, slow down the problems created by their normal treatments, right? At a, at a much higher price tag, at a much higher profit and don't stop the thing. But now they're kind of headed in that direction because the, the myopia problem they're creating is just unbelievable, right? Like it, it's, it, it's affecting everybody in the world. It's literally their treatment. So there is now there's the thing of how about we make our treatment less bad but we charge a lot more money for it. So it's modern medical science is amazing, right? Like there's just amazing stuff. Super cool. I'm a big fan. Like I'm not into conspiracies and I love what we can do, but when profit becomes involved, it gets super murky because then it's like, there's a lot of incentive to keep treating the symptom and not actually fixing stuff. Right. right? Like, so you're in this fine line of it's amazing the day we live in, but you can't just, blindly huh? trust that whatever they're selling you is the right thing. So myopia is nearsightedness. And what about farsight being farsighted? Is that a lot less prevalent? Much less prevalent. Um, when your baby, well, your eyeballs too short. This is your hyperopic, all babies. They can't recognize the parent's face up close early on. And that mechanism I sort of touched on axial change, the length of the eyeball the eyeball elongates in the baby's eye till the baby has clear vision. And that mechanism continues to work throughout your life. Anybody who tells you otherwise, Google Scholar, look that stuff up. Eyeball keeps adjusting in length till it's perfect. It, hyperopia is much less of a problem because there isn't, myopia is caused by right, muscle spasm and then the glasses. The opposite doesn't happen much. So some people have hyperopia, but it's really uncommon. Common is presbyopia. So once you get into your late 40s, early 50s, the optometrist catches you. They try to sell you glasses for close-up. Your, your close-up vision gets worse. The lens in the eye hardens with age and the focusing muscle has a harder time moving the lens for close-up vision a little bit. And then they sell you reading glasses and then you become dependent on reading glasses. Um, for people on that age range, I always recommend do not get reading glasses. Try to keep the book at a slightly bigger distance, reading good lighting or page, I mean, uh, screen, whatever it is. And don't become reliant on those things because once you are, now you don't have close-up vision anymore either. And then if you're myopia and presbyopia, now you're wearing glasses that correct for everything. And if you take them off, you just can't see anything at all. What about LASIK? <laughs> what about LASIK surgery? I know you, you touched on that in, in the website a little bit. Man, so... I have a podcast, but because I suck at podcasts, it's not really, I don't do guests. We just have, we only talk to people who are working on their eyesight. Yeah. Um, so generally not interesting to anybody, unless you're working on your eyesight and you want to see what other people are doing, call the podcast, right? Like whatever. What's the name of your want, podcast? It's the short-sighted podcast, but I don't <laughs> recommend it as a, it, it's really just a tool. Like if you're working on your own eyesight, here's other people are doing it. It's no, not. It's Okay. It, it, there's no uh, great benefit for it. But I had one guest ever, like just a guest guest, the former head of the FDA uh, uh, surgical devices. And this guy got LASIK approved. The actual man, he's in the 70s now. He's got this big Einstein hair going all over the place. The man at the FDA who put the final stamp on LASIK had an hour chat with him. I did a terrible job. You should maybe talk to him. But he was amazing 
and shocking in all his revelations. Like the man got LASIK approved. Like, don't forget, like, this is the guy at the FDA. He spent an hour talking about the suicides caused by LASIK, the fact that the FDA didn't have any criteria for medical consequences, none. He said, literally, the only requirement was that your eyeball wouldn't fall out. And the man cited, and I put them in the show notes, all, all his claims were, um, he included references for everything. You're, you're cutting the eyeball, like the structures, the structural integrity is compromised. You're cutting the nerves. So you have no pain sensations for up to a year. They may come back and then you may have pain. Who knows? Because the FDA didn't check for it, right? Like there is dry eye. He said 30% of people have permanent dry eye, hmm. not reversible. Again, not, it wasn't part of the trials. It wasn't part of the testing. So basically if you do LASIK and you think it's safe because the FDA said so, I recommend either Googling Morris Waxler or having a listen to that episode before you consider LASIK because it is far less generally safe than people would have you believe. Hmm. Okay, good to know. And um, I noticed you talk about night vision training. I'm curious to, to, to know about that. What's that all about? Uh, first, you well, so what happens is a different part of your eye is working more actively in when you're in low light conditions, also your, your pupils are wide open, right? So you have less of depth of field. So any imperfection in your distance vision that you have during the day that may not be that noticeable becomes much more noticeable at night. So it's not a main, it's not a real focus, but anybody who's got not so great vision will notice that a lot more at night. So the, the, the way to deal with that really is to improve your vision overall which is going to improve your, your night vision also. Gotcha. And um, oh, so I know you mentioned a few things, tips and tricks, anything else people should know for better eyesight um, on a day-to-day -day basis? Measuring. I super recommend that little thing I said with the book and the measuring tape. If you mm. do that, you're going to food, right? Like, cause your, your audience is really into food. Insulin spikes cause bad eyesight while you're having an insulin spike. We have a forum, the forum is much bigger than a Facebook group, but people wore those implantable um, blood glucose monitor things. Mm -hmm. You know, that you CGMs, continuous glucose monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People crazy. And they, they measured the eyesight while they were also looking at the blood glucose. And whenever you'd have a spike, your eyesight is worse. Yeah, so measuring eyesight is kind of neat if you're into this sort of stuff, just because you notice how much it varies with your, with your food, with your sleep, with your stress level, with how much time you spent binging Netflix. And if you do that just casually and keep a little bit of a log and start seeing how much your eyesight varies, you start learning which of your habits are really not good for you. And then maybe you make small adjustments. And I think it's a super fun way to assess the things in your life that you might be ignoring instead of having things that will be better for you, right? Like it's a, just the measuring and just keeping a log might encourage you to go, well, maybe I'll do something different, right? Like how you might step on a scale or look at your visceral fat and go, maybe it's time to eat different. It's a, it's a, a data point that reminds you that maybe some of the things you're letting yourself get away with aren't really in your benefit. Yeah, because I think most people are under an assumption that as they age, they're just their eyes are going to get worse. 
And like you mentioned, if you do these little steps, daily steps, that perhaps as you get older, your eyesight could actually improve and you won't need, you know, perhaps to do reading glasses or anything like that. Yeah. And there are lots of people that are the, the age thing, right? Like I'm almost 50 now and I definitely don't need reading glasses or any kind of glasses. And that's anecdotal, but I deal with lots of people in their 50s, 60s, 70s. I think it's super fun. And some of the genuinely older people I deal with, I think get a huge kick out of, imagine you're 80, right? And now you're working on improving your vision. Super cool to have this for once in your life, something's actually getting better. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, and we're yeah. not quite there yet, but you will get to the point where you're like, it's not falling apart, right? Like you're into a huge topic that prevents a lot of the falling apart. And I think if you let your eyesight deteriorate, it's psychologically a big impact on you imagining yourself as old or getting older, super avoidable. Yeah. I would assume that, uh, eyesight is somewhat tied to the, the overall health of the individual. Um, uh, I don't know what percentage of people who maybe are diabetic or pre-diabetic who perhaps have failing eyesight as well. Do you know anything behind that? Yeah. Diabetes and myopia very much linked. Um, science is super clear on that, that if you have diabetes, you also have myopia. Yeah. Yeah. It's a system, right? Like the whole thing's tied together. The ophthalmology can do all kinds of interesting tests by just looking at the retina in your eye, the blood vessels in the retina of your eye are very telling of other health stuff too. So first and foremost, individuals should maybe test their eyesight by, like you mentioned, holding a book. Um, does it matter what side of you just hold it right in front of you? And then you just measure like in centimeters, how far away it is, uh, until it starts to get blurry. Is that right? And then you divide yeah. that by a hundred, hundred yeah. divided by that is the diopters of your glasses. Super simple, super simple. And there's nothing more to it. I recommend eye checkups. I recommend an ophthalmologist who is an actual medical doctor. If you want to do eye checkups, I am a big fan of that, but there's no need for the optometrist. And they get mad at me for saying that, but like anytime you're trying to get a medical test in a shopping mall, you should maybe go, yeah, maybe that's not the place for this, right? Like annual checkup at the ophthalmologist, but for eyesight, self-measuring is super handy. Like you said, I don't know if I'm 2020, you know, buy one on Amazon or print one and find out. Buy a, um, yeah. an eye chart. Yeah. And just hang it up somewhere. Also, you might notice that, right? Like you, you hang it up somewhere handy in, in your house where you're reminded of it put a little piece of tape on the floor for the correct distance. And then once in a while, just stand in front of it after you had a Netflix binge. And then you go, well, oh, that's not as good as it normally is. And then those little bits, it's just because you have data, right? Like now, because there's a big difference between going, this is probably not great for me. And your brain is like, yeah, we can get away with it. But then when you measure it and you're like, well, that's really not amazing. Then you might do something different. So if you find that your eyesight starting to get worse, um, like you mentioned some of the things that you can, what would be, I know you said a few already, but what would be some good things for people to do, um, to help it? Like, obviously you mentioned go going outside and playing golf or things like that, where you sort of can have to look far, anything else. Don't live somewhere where they do lockdowns. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, I'm joking, but also my email, my inbox has gone super crazy since all that happened because now people are really just sitting in front of screens and a lot of people having worse eyesight if your eyesight is getting worse and you, you're not 12 
or four, the ages where kids get introduced to screens or school homework, it's because you're probably using screens too much. You know, for one, get a checkup in general, that stuff is fine, but it's a clear sign that you're likely your habits have changed and very likely is that you're becoming more of a screen addict and you really want to address that. Like your vision should not be getting worse in your adult life. And I would like, obviously, does, does reading help improve eyesight? No, it, it, it's actually the before screen life, like for old people like me, we just had books. Like that's when my myopia started is because now you're spending a lot of time for the book. The, the muscles tense, you run into pseudomyopia, you get glasses. So it's not, but reading is good for your brain. So like I have a Kindle because if you read on your, on an iPad, then you get notifications and blah, and the screen's not as good. So I read on a Kindle. I still read a lot, but then when I'm done reading, I make a point of being outside. Like usually I'll go to a coffee shop and read that takes me a motorbike ride or a bike ride somewhere. So when I'm done reading, I have the built in distance vision time to get back to my house. Would holding the book farther away from you (laughs) be a good thing to do? Not having it too close to you? Sure. Absolutely. There's a, in China, in some schools, they do this thing where they have this barrier that literally pops up in front of the desk. So the students can't get too close. Like they have to sit up up straight. So for one, there's good posture Mm. and they can't get too close to the text. So the distance is key, right? Because the closer you get, the tighter that muscle gets literally like closer, 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 because the, the light where the light converges on the retina, that point changes, right? So something has to adjust. So you keep seeing clearly and it's that muscle squeezing that lens. So the further away, the always the better. Yeah. For anything, whether it's screens or books. So if you hit a golf ball that goes really far, you have an advantage. It's and I say this and you laugh, you have a gigantic advantage because you have a hobby and the word addictive is probably not the right word, but it's tempting you away from a screen because right. we live in this time now where just there's nothing easier and quicker to fix your boredom than reaching for the stupid thing and watching something that you forget three minutes later. I always tell people this and people so often don't get it is find a thing that tempts you away from the screen. Golf is perfect, right? Like, you, you, you get to get all nerdy with all the golf clubs and you got to go drive to a course and you got to have friends like Brad and all kinds of things that take up a pretty significant amount of time of your free time that all involve focused distance vision. Super good for your eyes. Yeah. And if you don't play golf, I always talk about it. Go out, go for a walk a few times a day, right? Wait, yeah. Anything. Any, what, anything. I'll tell you what drives me nuts is people that take their dogs for walks and they're staring at their phone. (laughs) I'm like, what's the point of that? It's, it's, yeah. And I talk, I try not to get into this because I'm like, here's how to fix your eyes. And I don't want to be the dude preaching. I had addiction issues in my past because I made way too much money way too early. And I get into the party scenes and I had real problems. Some say with various substances that I thoroughly enjoyed, right? Part of the problem is thoroughly enjoying it. People who have never had an addiction problem don't understand that they're addicted to the screen. It is an addiction. It has all the same symptoms. The only difference is nobody will shame you for it. Nobody will guilt you for it. And everybody will say it's fine. It's an addiction, right? If you can't walk your dog without bringing your phone to stare at it, you have a real addiction problem, right? And that's 
there's great books on that that I recommend. Read books on, treat it like a drug addiction. Realize you're never going to get rid of it. Realize that you're going to always have screens, but there's definitely a time to put that stuff down. Yeah, I agree. What kind of, what type of books do, uh, is there a one or two that come to your mind that people can? I know. And I, just, as I said it, I'm like, my dumbass can't <laughs> remember the time. Like Kindle is somewhere here. There's a super great book I read really recently from a guy that, that explains that addiction is not a disease. And, um, well, if you think about it, I'll think about it. Yeah. Think about it. it. Let me know. I could always put it in the show notes. Yeah. Put it in the, I, I so recommend it. It was an awesome read because it explains how your brain is designed to desire is a huge part of the wiring of our brain. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be there. It's a big, it's a big element in food, right? Like food addiction is a serious thing. And it's just, there's desires built in and it's necessary and you, you gotta have desire to live, right? Like I want to eat. And we miswire it by going, I'm going to eat this donut. And for a while, there's the dude obviously explains them a bit. There's part of your brain that goes, but we shouldn't eat a donut. And by eating the donut too often, too many times, you build wiring in into your brain that circumvents this whole part of your brain that goes, yeah, but we shouldn't. And then you just do it. And now you're addicted, mm-hmm. right? Because you literally miswired your brain by doing this really tempting, really fun thing too easily, too often. And recovering that ability to go, you know what? Not today is difficult, but manageable and you can do it. Same with phones, right? Like we go out to dinners and my rule is I pay, but nobody gets to bring their phone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dinners. Yeah. Bring phones. <laughs> we live in weird times. Like the, the thing really is playing golf, right? Like boredom is, is, is one of our greatest gifts. You got to get bored. Right. Phone removes the boredom. Boredom is preceded after boredom comes creativity or something right? like you'd never get into golf necessarily. If you just grew up with the screen, because you're like, I'm fine outside going somewhere, learning something. I don't think so. But you had to be bored enough at some point to go, I'm going to invest the effort that later will yield a reward. And that's obviously, we won't get, I'll go all the way down this, but that's obviously a big issue with kids (laughs) nowadays is the fact that they don't experience boredom. Yeah, I found the book, by the way, The Biology of Desire. Oh, I like that stuff. I'll take a look. Super, 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 super worth reading. Biology of Desire. I'm always into that stuff. Um, well, Jake, this was definitely a different topic for my audience and something that I, I, I truly do appreciate. Um, where's the best place for you know people to find you? Endmyopia.org. It's, it's, it's a terrible destination. Um, pre-warning, there's a lot of inside humor jokes. Since I'm not trying to make money or be famous, it's just because I like doing it. But it's a good starting point anyway. And it's an entry point to a pretty big community. Lots of people are doing it. Lots of science, lots of ways to go about it. Once you get past the, I make a lot of terrible jokes. <laughs> I've watched some of your YouTube videos. <laughs> I've well, seen so you know. some of your terrible jokes. So. Um, but you have a whole community of followers and people. So obviously this is a relevant topic um, for a lot of people. So, and I, do you offer like coaching? It sounds like for athletes and people like that, or. I die. No, not, not really. really. So there are courses that are available sometimes. Um, 
they're nice because they're structured and they offer support and stuff, but I don't do a lot of them just because I'm a little bit spoiled by my lifestyle in general. Um, freeware works great though. Yeah. I'd yeah. recommend that. What's it? What's that free? The freeway, just, oh, the, just freeway. Using, the free, free resources are, are awesome. Yeah. Tons of free resources on nmyopia.org. All right, Jake, all the way from Thailand. Thank you for, so much for coming on uh, the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, Get Lean, Eat Clean Nation. Are you a man between the ages of 40 and 60 years old looking to lose inches around your waist, have significantly more energy throughout the day, and gain muscle all while minimizing the risk of injuries? Well, I'm looking for three to five people to work one-on-one with in my Fat Burner Blueprint Signature Program, which I've developed by utilizing my 15 years experience in the health and fitness space. This program is designed specifically for those committed to making serious progress towards our health goals over the next six months. We will focus on sleep, stress, nutrition, meal timing, and building lean muscle. If this sounds like a fit for you, email me at brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. That's brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.